coming up on Verse Course Verse, <laughs> if either of you say anything mean about Lane Staley in the next two hours, I will reach <laughs> through this camera and <laughs> choke a bitch. Drunkenly. That's next. <laughs> Welcome to episode 84 of Verse Chorus Verse IMDL. With me is Rachel, the rooster snuffer polio. Rachel, it's true. how are you? Really? Maybe. Killing lots of roosters, huh? <laughs> how are you is the question I was trying I'm to good. ask. <laughs> I'm good. A little warm, but great. Also here tonight is evil sick man Jimmy. Mm. Evil, how are you? I'm also hot. It's hot and it's humid in Boise, which is unusual for Boise, and I, I hate it. I feel like you have good AC. You've got a long sleeve shirt on here. Well, yeah, yeah. because I'm inside because I'm not stupid. Well, sorry that we aren't all rich and can afford Whoa. your amazing AC. <laughs> <laughs> What's everybody doing this Friday night? Recording a Let's podcast episode? Yeah. What well, are you yeah. doing? What are we going to talk about? Something? Music. Any, anything good? Yeah, whatever. It's whatever. I don't even care. I'm not even really, you know, I won't be upset. Whatever is talked about tonight and whether people are positive or negative about it, it doesn't bug me at all. Like you're real sensitive about this topic. No, I don't care. Um, <laughs> you're real fun right now. I know. So, hi, everybody. I went out at about, <laughs> about four today and uh went to the margarita factory had me a big old rachel has talked about this before they say do you want small medium or large i'm like i'll go medium margarita yeah the medium is a fucking fishbowl basically (laughs) it's ridiculous and then you know you can't you have to have a tequila sipper and then somebody maybe gets a shot and i'm just feeling pretty good (laughs) i'm really going for the drunkest in an episode award tonight you're getting it rachel you had a couple i think you might still hold the record for the pre-season yeah in the spotify ones like yeah you were good and toasted is that when elaine was like this is a drinking podcast with a little bit of music yeah (laughs) son of a it's very funny because my mom know well my mom should know that i drink so much more than you do rachel (laughs) (laughs) Tonight is a DL 10 out of 10 episode. It's all coming because next week we are doing a year dissection. And typically when I do a year dissection, what I try to do is I try to take one album that might take a lot of the conversation and just (laughs) really hard to concentrate when Rachel is fanning her pits. (laughs) (laughs) I could smell it from here. It's so hot. (laughs) Fuck off, Jimmy. (laughs) I try to take an album that's going to take up most of the conversation or a lot of the conversation and we just talk about it beforehand. Evil, I know that you must have been at least very comfortable with this album. Yeah. Rachel, did you know this album at all? I did know some of this album actually from movies that the songs were in and also from Guitar Hero. (laughs) Oh, Yeah. So yeah. Evil, I actually don't know this about you. I know what type of music you are a fan of, but I don't think I've ever just come out and ask you, how big of a fan of this band are you? 
So we're, have we mentioned the year yet? Uh, we have not mentioned the year. Okay. I think they're going to figure it out. They're going to figure it out pretty quickly. <laughs> uh, so this predates my full conversion into metal headedness. I would say this is a very special era of music for me. I'm trying to use vague terms here. Uh, it's so goddamn hard. Of the bands that uh, were familiar or cohorts of who we're going to talk about tonight, there are two that most people would probably pick from mm-hmm. the era. And I was a big fan of the other two. This is so vague. Yeah. I, know. <laughs> I thought I understood exactly where you were going until you pulled that last. So how old were you? This came out my junior year of high school. Okay. So, it, so you were it's, pretty it's, into music oh, wow. at this point. Very, yeah. very. Like this gotcha. is like wheelhouse. Like yeah. part of prepping for this, I sent you guys some pictures. I sat in a dark room and watched the music videos for all of the singles mm-hmm. from this album. It put me back in a place unlike yeah. anything else has done f- researching for this podcast. That's awesome. You didn't do heroin, did oh, you? you know. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Night is young. So yeah, we are doing one of my favorite albums of all time. It's kind of a big punch to do in the second season, but I don't care. We're doing it. I think I would, and I'm going to go back to you, Evil, but I would probably consider this one of the, I don't know if you want to say best, but at the very least, most celebrated, heavier albums of all time. Uh, yeah, for sure. Hugely influential. I listened to this album probably more than I've ever listened to another album. And even now going back and studying it, because it's not the type of album, Mike, you you can't listen to this all the time. (laughs) No. But (laughs) you know it like the back of your hand, but then you go and you study and it's like, holy shit. Every single one of these songs was on MTV. Yeah. On the hour. Half this album. Rachel, you were an MTV kid. Yes. So did you see these videos? I don't remember seeing these videos. These are the videos that would kind of scare me a little bit. (laughs) So I probably would have turned it off if I had seen it. But Once Lane's eyes started rolling into the back of his head, (laughs) you were out. (laughs) Definitely some headbangers ball material here. Yes. Yep. Oh, man. This is going to be a fun episode. Yep. Oh, (laughs) this We're going to get into that. First, what we got to get... Actually, we don't have to get into anything. I can do whatever I want. This is our podcast. (laughs) Evil 2022 releases. Yeah. Awesome or daunting so far? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Both of those. Oh, my God. Is it true that... Every single band is just coming out with an album this year. I honestly think that every band that I'm a huge fan of that is still alive and putting out music has something coming out this year. It's gotten unhealthy. (laughs) It's it's really good for the podcast communication, but the pressure is a lot. Rachel, have you gotten to start listening to newer music this year? I mean, as as far as new music that I've gotten to listen to, obviously I have quick fire stuff. I forgot we do quick fires. We do quick fires. Uh, Not anywhere near your level, I'm sure, but there's definitely people who are like, hey, have you heard this album? Speaking of uh, listeners, this is very awesome. The first thing I want to do is I need to give a shout out to Carrie Kirkland. Mm. She's coming back next season. She's got a new album coming out next year. And I just love her. So she's coming back on. But she helped me solidify a guest for next year. And I can't say who it is. But there's one person on this podcast that is going to shit 
his or her pants when they find out who it is. And she is 99.9% the reason for it. So Carrie, you are amazing. What is that? It's an In-N-Out burger. <laughs> Wait, there's an In-N-Out in Idaho Falls? No, there's not. There's a handful in Utah just out of across the border. And So excited to edit out you eating a hamburger oh, of this episode. That's really, really exciting for me. Anyway, Carrie, thank you. You are amazing. I haven't told any of the uh, cast members here who they get to interview next year, but... Yeah, you just tease us every... Oh, <laughs> oh boy. It's, Were it's you... so fun. <laughs> and you find out. And then I also got, I got one more email that I want to share with all of you, and we can speak to it or not. It doesn't matter, but I just really liked this one. I thought this one meant a lot. Jeez, this is so hard right now. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to read this meaningful email now. Meanwhile, um, Rachel's a live Carl's Jr. commercial over here for... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Sorry. And twins. Um, all right. Hey, DL and whoever else reads this, I wanted to say thank you for the way you do these podcasts every week. I am a younger guy in my 20s and have had a rough time, rough time over the last few years. I'm realizing that a lot of rough times have been my fault. The way that all of you talk about people that mess up in an understanding way makes me feel less like a loser. Mondays are the best part of my week. Hope the podcast goes forever. And thank you again, Jay from Iowa City. Um, I just, yeah. What a man. I give me chills. That's Yeah, that one really, really meant something to me. Jay, I'm going to tell you something right now, and I'm going to kind of really toot my own horn for a second, but it's, I promise it's going somewhere. <laughs> I am a pretty successful guy. I have a great job. I have a house. I'm doing very, very well. I'm a good father. I've got this awesome podcast, working hard. I'm doing really good things. But Jay, just so you know, most of my life, I was a fairly big piece of shit, and I did a lot of not great things in my life. I'll just say that. I just remember thinking a lot of times in my 20s, like, this is just who I am. I'm just this person. And it's not true. You can become whoever the fuck you want to be at any point that you want. I think the fact that you sent this email speaks a lot about you want to do what you're going to do. And thank you for sending that. And I think you're well on your way, man. It's rare for a human to live life without having a lot of ups and probably even more downs. Yeah. And honestly, guilty as charged. The good times are awesome when you're living them. The lows, those dark times are, those are the learning opportunities. Mm-hmm. And those are the things that I've been the most thankful for because pressure creates diamonds, man. Life's a beautiful tapestry. Some of it's ugly and it's still beautiful, even though it's ugly and dark sometimes. And we're going to talk about that here pretty soon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it makes me really happy that somebody sees that in us. We are very understanding that everybody makes mistakes and those don't define who you are as a person. All of us here have very good hearts and it makes me really happy that people can look beyond all of our jokes and our our judgment of of music see the best in people and so jay that means 
I promise you that however much the podcast means to you listening every Monday, this email meant just as much to us yeah. getting it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I hope you keep listening. You ever want to uh, come on and chat about an album with us? Hey, yeah. you are more than welcome. Here's what we're doing tonight, everybody. There's a hair in my drink. There's a hair in Evil's drink. God Rachel's mouth is full of burger. <laughs> this is a goddamn shit show. I wouldn't have it any other way. Look. Next week, we are dissecting 1992. It's a hair, Evil. I'm listening, but... I, like, I get yeah. you're freaked out because it's definitely not yours, but... Because <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't have any hair. <laughs> this was a lot of fun, even though we're dealing with some really dark material here. Yeah. It was still very enjoyable for me. I'm still deep in prep for the, the episode coming up next week, which I'm a little nervous for because it's even more daunting. But this one, yep. <laughs> this one was uh, my favorite single album review that we've done. Oh, wow. Yeah. A lot of nostalgia for me here. So there are certain aspects of this one that, of course, for me, it's an obvious, this meant a fucking lot to me. I want to go to you, though, Rachel. Mm -hmm. Like you just said, you didn't really hear it on MTV or things like that. No. So this didn't have some weird special place for you. So without trying to give too much away, where does this stand in the, you know, we've done Peter Gabriel, mm -hmm. we've done the Gorillas, mm -hmm. we've done four or five, 10 out of 10s mm -hmm. by now? Yeah. Where does this stand in that pantheon? This is the top. Hands down. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> Not to give too much away. Okay. Let me go and... <laughs> I feel like I have to reassess everything. Change a couple things. Now. Was Joy Division a ten out of ten? That was a whole. Band Joy Division band was dissection. a band dissection. Oh, okay. Yeah. How does Evil know and you don't? With two albums. I think that's I why listened. in my head. <laughs> <laughs> it may be throwing you off because I have the Joy Division here. I have something. Okay. I love this. <laughs> this. Well, this is just for us. This isn't for the, the <laughs> poor listeners who don't see where we're at. Aww. When we record these <laughs> these episodes, we're all on Zoom seeing each other i have like a blank wall behind me i have an office in the front of our house but it just has a big open door it doesn't have a door that shuts it's just a big opening that goes into the office so it's kind of hard to and they also can't see rachel going down on a hamburger every 17 <laughs> seconds that's true there is that uh, <laughs> okay go ahead everyone else has like band swag behind him pictures of their favorite artists and stuff you know albums yeah i'm going to be moving my office into the room that i record in and at some point i'll i'll have all of the medals and the van halens behind me and drink yeah you got you know, <laughs> trust me we're gonna talk about van halen tonight too drink. there's reasons for that yes um so i got a little buffalo trace mm -hmm. wait well don't hey Ooh. man that's not my drink. That's oh, just that's just Van Halen. That's for shits and giggles. Yeah. Um, let's get to that, though, you guys. Yes. Mm -hmm. Let's stop talking about what I've already drank tonight, and let's get to <laughs> what I'm going to drink. The most important part of the night. <laughs> what are we drinking tonight? Rachel, what do you have? Oh, gosh. What do I have? I was talking to Gus earlier because of one of these songs. Oh, I... I needed to call yep. Gus. You know what I'm talking about? I do. And he said, so what are you drinking tonight? Oh, that's cute. Listen. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> that is. I like that. Isn't that nice? That's awesome. So I actually just took my drink that I was drinking before and then put vodka in it. <laughs> so it's Sherbert flavored rain, which is a <laughs> energy drink. <laughs> it's half rain, half Sprite and some raspberry syrup. Sherbert. And Sherbert's Smurf. not a flavor. <laughs> no. It's, a... it's like three flavors. 
Mm. Abel, what do you got? <laughs> I sent this recipe to you earlier this week. It's a take on an old fashioned. Yes, you did. It's a little lighter because it's summer. I usually make an old fashioned with bourbon, usually Buffalo Trace or something similar. Angostura bitters, simple syrup, and orange peel. This uses Peshodes. Well, I got Buffalo Trace, Peshodes bitters. Instead of Demerara sugar or simple syrup, I just used regular because it's a little brighter and a lemon. It's like a lighter, more refreshing old fashioned. Awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Since it's so hot outside of my air conditioned house. <laughs> Fuck off. Dave, do you have air conditioning? No. So I have, it looks like you have, I have window units. Down in my studio, I don't have one. Is that in the basement? Yes. Oh, so you're cooler. Yeah, it's not too bad. Like I'm sweaty, but I'm not, fuck, I'm going to die. What am I drinking? What are you drinking? Evil. I just can't get enough. Ooh. Yeah. You know what this is. Is that a scotch lady? Yes. Yeah, those look good, mm-hmm. aren't they? You don't have any cop drops in you. I don't. For this one. And it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Does that change Good. the flavor? <laughs> a little bit. It is. <laughs> so it's going to take me a while to play around with it to get it to my liking. But sure. you are very right in that it is on par with the whiskey sour. Yeah. And it, it's in the ballpark. Yes. And it's a little more complex. It's amazing. And then I also have for the second half of the night or whenever I'm done with this Ooh. drink or whatever, I've got <laughs> just a scotch, plain old Glenlivet. 18 scotch oh yeah just it's whatever <laughs> you're gonna be wasted. table scotch yeah it's <laughs> it's whatever we are talking a pretty important album to me so mm-hmm. i gotta have it a scotch we've got to get to this album we've got plenty to talk about all of it fun and light and rosy yeah. we're gonna take a break we'll be right back Uh, we are back. Yeah. <laughs> She's honking a toy. Get out of here. The timing. Is that the dog that clicks your pens and... Eats burgers. <laughs> <laughs> yes. DL's 10 out of 10s. You know what we're talking about tonight. I'm sure you all do, but I'm still going to just say the name. We are talking about Dirt by Allison Chains. Dirt, released September of 1992. It's like three different studios, but in the end, it's Columbia. It was produced by Allison Chains and Dave Jordan. For those of you that don't know Dave Jordan, you should probably learn about Dave Jordan. He did tons of shit. Fishbone, Anthrax, Offspring, Rolling Stones, Frank Zappa, Mick Jagger, David Byrne. I could go on without breathing for a while. He's done everybody. And if you listen to, what, seven seconds of Dirt? you know how good of an engineer he is. Yeah. There was one other producer on Wood was produced by Rick mm. Parashar. Parashar. I don't know. I don't know how to pronounce his name. But but I think that was still engineered by uh, Jordan. It was. And I don't know that much about Dave Jordan, except for the fact that he doesn't like to be called a producer. He likes to be called an engineer, mm. which is important to know for the day that he comes on our podcast, which yes. someday I'm going to make happen. <laughs> God damn it. It ended up, actually, does anybody know the amount of Platinums it is without cheating, Rachel? I won't look. (laughs) I know it's some Platinums. Take a guess. I have no idea. I'll say five. Six. Is this prices Right? I'm going to go with seven. (laughs) It's five. Is it five? It is. Certified five times Platinum as of this year. Whoa. So many times. I swear I didn't look. That was, I no, just. No, good was... job. Singles on this album. There are many. <laughs> just a few. 
Yes. Wood. Speaking of singles. Them bones. Speaking of singles. <laughs> uh, angry chair, rooster, and down in a hole. I just got that. <laughs> Keep up. I'm going to start with Rachel. Rachel, somebody who was maybe not brand new to Dirt, but I would say definitely probably the first time that you ever sat down and listened to this album. For sure. My first impression was... Man, every song sounds exactly the same, but Ooh. it was one of those things, enough exposure, <laughs> Stockholm's, and now I love it. You know, that throws me off because you always start texting me about the album on Thursday night. <laughs> <laughs> so I start, I think like, she just started fucking listening to this. Here's the thing. <laughs> I know that you get angry when I try and engage in conversation with you with what we're going to talk about. So I try and minimize <laughs> How long you're going to be mad at me for? So I wait until oh, Thursday night. This sounds familiar. Before we get into it, we have to guess what each other's favorite song on the album oh, is. Yeah. Ah. That's a thing we do. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we do that Oops. all the time at the beginning without fail. There is um, order in this chaos. <laughs> there is. I don't think I've ever started with Evil. Oh, evil, okay. what are Rachel and I's favorite songs on this album? I usually like wing it when you ask these questions. I actually wrote yeah. stuff down. I just got to find my notes. Oh, Good for you. Um, I have a heart on. <laughs> Rachel, I wrote down in a hole. And for you, I wrote, fuck, I don't know how to pick. <laughs> <laughs> I accept both those answers. Yes. <laughs> but I actually uh, put forth the effort beforehand instead of scrambling at the last minute this time. Yay. I like it. Rachel. Mm -hmm. This was difficult as well because you love Alice and Chains. They're okay. But I picked <clears throat> Angry Chair for you, David, and I picked <clears throat> Sick Man for Evil. Oh. Oh. Mm. Are those <clears throat> good guesses? Yeah. Those are all good guesses. We shall see. My picks. You know what? I'm going to start with Rachel and then I'm going to say evils and then that'll lead us into a conversation. Rachel, there was an easy answer to me. What's the easy answer? The easy way out for you was Wood. Beautiful song, extremely well written, lots of things that I would think that you would be a fan of. Too easy. So what I did is I picked a song that I think had about 72 things that you wouldn't really love about it. <laughs> but, but one, one thing, thing that, I would. that I think you would totally love about it. <laughs> I said your favorite song on this album is Hate to Feel. Ooh. Evil, and this is just going to start the conversation now. I said that your favorite song is Them Bones. The reason I said mm -hmm. your favorite song is Them Bones is because it's one of the best rock songs ever written. It is the 12 mm -hmm. Angry Men of music. It is fucking whatever it is, three minutes and whatever seconds. There is no fat on that meat. No. It is start out the gate, you rip fucking thunder with Lane Staley screaming his eyes and Jerry doing his insane C-sharp guitar mm. to go directly from the verse into the chorus. You do one of the coolest fucking guitar solos ever. Mm. Chorus three more times in a very cool way. You're out. Done. Bam. See you later. Evil, is that your favorite song? <laughs> <laughs> So now that we have things out of the way, I can actually make a case for what I think might be Rachel's actual favorite song, <laughs> which is Rooster. And it was kind of hard to pick my favorite song. So none of these are bad guesses. Well, I wanted to get you guys on the record before I actually put my real thoughts out there. 
What a way to start an album. One of the best opening rock <laughs> tracks of all time, right? Yeah. This is interesting because the last track on this album is Wood, and that's an opening track for the single soundtrack. Yes. Which was probably the gateway for a lot of people at that time into Alice in Chains. Yeah. That and the fact that Man in the Box was playing four yeah, times sure. an hour yeah. on <laughs> Yeah, MTV, there's that too. No, you're absolutely <laughs> right. It starts with, to use the parlance of our time, a fucking banger, and ends with a killer opening track for another album that was huge at the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, those are the bookends to this and everything in between is fucking amazing and there's a song in the middle that i have a whole page of notes on that we'll talk about i just listened to it in the car a couple times listened to it while i was cooking and when i sat down and looked at the lyrics and really dug into them and their meaning and all of that is when i was really just blown away by this whole album (laughs) not let alone you know the opening track that's one of the biggest things no that is the biggest thing about this album is i am a big fan of albums that tell a story Mm-hmm. that try to make a point and and have something to say. I am not sure that an album has ever been made that conveys the torture and darkness of addiction Mm -hmm. than this one does. The only equivalency lyrically of somebody saying, look at the fucking pain I'm in, Mm -hmm. I think Joy Division might be the only equivalency. Everybody... Wants to add their two cents. I think it's. I think it's close. I don't want to argue. Joy Division's close, but I don't think it comes. It's like right here. It's like very close, but this is better. I feel so alone. Gonna end up a big old pile of them bones. Mm-hmm. There's something about that fucking line. There are fucking 83 lines in this that Lane Staley says that I can't imagine being able to write. I, I'm gonna counter that a little bit. Some of my favorite lyrics were written by Cantrell, mm, but yes. Staley's performance of them, mm-hmm. I think, is his performance of lyrics. You can feel his pain. We all know what he was going through at the time. Do tell. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about Van Halen a little bit. So uh, in 1991, <laughs> yeah, I got the drink here. Uh, in 1991, one of my well, my f- one of my rock. favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I tried. I, I, I don't know what They're I'm fine. doing. They took Allison Chains out as their opener. Yeah, they did. In part because they were a little scared of this new crop of rock coming up, and they're like, mm-hmm. Ugh. and they became really good friends. I'm gonna let you keep going, but that was the perfect band mm. to go mm-hmm. out with Van Halen because they were. Yeah, they loved that shit. Yes, they were late they were 80, big fans. Like you listen to their late '80s stuff, and Allison Chains was totally into oh, that completely. fucking hair metal stuff. Yeah, hundred percent. So on that tour is when Lane. And I think Mike Starr developed heroin addiction. Uh, they chose poorly for their bodies. Maybe yes. greatly for the lyrics and the artistic content that came out of it. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the weird conundrum here. There's something about that drug and the art that it inspires. That's yeah. undeniable. It really is. It is. I would never say, hey, do you want to be a good artist, a good musician? Mm-hmm. Go try some heroin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, ask Bradley Knowles how that turns out because he literally did that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that is, I want to start doing heroin so I can play music like Nirvana. Play. Exactly. By the time this album came out, he, Lane was deep in struggling with his addiction. Mm-hmm. That is reflected by everything about this album. The lyrics, his performance, the way he looks in the videos. 
Oh, like, God. It's heart-wrenching. It is. Heartbreaking is the wrong word. It's heart-wrenching to watch it because there's a piece of me that I'm, when I sat down and watched all the videos, I'm like, I fucking love this music. Mm-hmm. It wasn't heartbreaking to me. It was heart-wrenching because mm-hmm. it pulled me back into a time where I was deeply a fan of what was going on musically. It's the weird dichotomy of like, I love experiencing the pain that this human is going through and emoting to me. While at the same time, I mean, he wound up dead because of it. So it didn't serve him well at all. I feel guilty for that a little bit. I think one of the fascinating things about Lane and one of the things that makes it still enjoyable is that he was aware of what you're talking about. Yes. He was, in his interviews, he was very, heroin is the worst thing that you could ever do. Please don't do it. Right. I am going to do it until I die. Yeah. So he was very cognizant of that. I think that's what makes it bearable. Is And it's also eerie about this album is because in this album and the next album, he was very, I'm already gone. I'm done. I'm dead. Mm-hmm. This is an SOS. Hey, kids, don't fucking do heroin. The bass player, Mike Starr. Uh, Mike Starr, on that tour with Van Halen, he was caught at least once, maybe multiple times, scalping tickets for drug money. The opening band is out scalping tickets so he can go score sw- more yeah. smack. What in the fuck? F- fucking crazy. Two episodes ago, I did an episode on Mark Lanigan. Mm. Mark had a huge relationship with Lane. Yeah. I talked a lot about the relationship of heroin in the early 90s in the whole Northwest scene. There were just these guys that were going to play brilliant shit and then they were going to go lock themselves up in an apartment and they were going to use until they died. Mm-hmm. That was pretty much it. And this album, it sounds perverse to say, but it caught Lane in the perfect time mm-hmm. where he was deep in this addiction and he knew he wasn't going to get out, but he wasn't so far out that he couldn't still absolutely make an incredible piece of art. Mm-hmm. Well, and also he was in a sweet spot of not too deep and still being able to explain what it does, how it makes you feel. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people that are super on drugs can't really pinpoint why they're doing what they're doing. He, through his lyrics, was really able to make us understand why he couldn't stop. Evil. Do you know who did the vocals on Iron Gland? I do. I knew you did. I do. (laughs) Who was that? Well, it turns out that before they toured with Van Halen, they toured on a, I think it was a metal festival. Yeah. And Slayer (laughs) happened to be on that metal festival. It was Tom Araya from Slayer, who they were hugely into at this point. This album Spoiler alert, might have been influenced by Slayer a little bit, seeing that Tom Araya was was on one track. There is a connection between the Seattle scene that we all know of, the grunge scene from the 90s, and kind of the LA harder rock, heavy metal scene. They went out to like Joshua Tree with Mm -hmm. Tom Araya at some point in the middle of recording this album which happened to be right smack dab in the middle of the Rodney King riots. Yep. And they actually had to stop recording. Things were so bad. And And that's when they went off to Joshua Tree. So yes, to answer your question, I do know who. (laughs) When this was going down, uh, Jerry Cantrell was at a store buying beer and some dude just came in and started looting the store. Yeah. (laughs) Like, what the f- Not only was this album influenced by the struggles of the band and 
the substance abuse, but it was influenced by tumultuous scene of the culture of the time as well. It was in the middle yeah. of a very interesting time. Like, there was a curfew in LA at the oh, time. Right. There was. And Lane would like break it and go out and s- score drugs. You know, it's this- not like Mike Starr and Lane Staley were look, Mike Starr and Lane Staley were were massive addicts at this point. Mm-hmm. But it's not like fucking Kenny Cantrell were fucking Boy Scouts. No, 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 no. They were alcoholics, coke addicts. They just weren't addicted to heroin. Right. Which is the thing that kills you. Yeah. The reason that this band was so beloved by everyone was because it was still liked by Mm -hmm. the, the metal guys. Yeah. But yeah, it, but it also was still loved by the grunge dudes. Yes, if you've seen the movie Singles, Allison mm-hmm. Chains is in that movie, right? At the fucking, you know, like yeah. the the main characters are at a concert watching fucking Allison Chains mm-hmm. play, and it's fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. So it's totally this hipster grunge, but at the same time, it's mm-hmm. it's very metal. Yep. No, I love that movie. Big fan. Big fan. They did such a great job of integrating metal into grunge and like kind of towing that line that both parties could find something in there that they could relate to and wanted to listen to. I was alluding to like the grunge scene early on where I'm like, these two bands people liked and these oh, other yeah, two yeah, bands yeah. were the ones that I like. Nirvana and Pearl Jam are probably the two bands that people would pick. If you say grunge, they're going to be like Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Nirvana, and Pearl Chains. Jam, Alice in Chains, Soundgarden. Sure. Those are like the, yes. those are the, gr- those are the four. Yeah. Those are the big four. I was very much more an Alice in Chains and Soundgarden guy well, yeah. at the time. Because you're smart. <laughs> <laughs> and those two bands have a deeper connection to the metal scene, the harder rock scene, the LA stuff that was going on at the time, the, the like the desert sessions like Caius yeah. and Lanigan. And there was more cross pollination with those two than, Tad. you know, right (laughs) i have an interesting note on susan silver i'll hold off on that because i i want to go off on a on a song when we get to it rachel last night i told you to make sure to watch the full yes music video of rooster Mm -hmm. Mm. and Mm -hmm. and i did you watched it i did and uh you also just mentioned your dad Mm -hmm. before she starts that was the best segue fucking ever (laughs) continue please also you'll be happy to know that when i called my dad today he said what's that song called again i'll have to look it up and so he watched the video (sighs) word spreading i don't know i haven't he hasn't called back about it oh fuck man i also told him i'd send him the link and he's like no i can find it and i was like come on just let me do it he's like i can do this but all i have to do is put it in the search bar and i was like but i can just rooster i loved it and then i called my dad and then so when i researched what they were meaning by that. It was a nickname for an M60 machine gunner because the muzzle flash looked like a rooster's tail. Specifically, like every fifth shot in the M60 had a tracer. So it had a phosphorus that like flew out with it. And so that flash made it look like a rooster Mm. tail. So that's what it was. Um, But also snuffing the rooster, you're killing the guy with the most power, like the most powerful gun, the best machinery. If you get that guy, you can move in and get everybody else. And so... Did you catch who the gunner was, though? In the video? Uh, well, I knew... He is 
the I knew rooster. that it was his nickname was the rooster. I knew it was in relation to his dad, but I didn't. I don't know that I connected that his dad. But doesn't was, that make it this much more badass? Yeah, it does. It really does. <laughs> that was a that was a nickname that Cantrell's dad got from, I believe, his dad. So Cantrell's grandfather when Jerry Cantrell Sr. was a pretty young I kid because he had now that makes he it had like a even better high tuft of hair better. and he was super cocky and so he that nickname when he was a little kid mm. and then went off to war at Vietnam. Then just reiterated. There's the whole M60 gunner um, yeah connection. There's also a connection the Vietnamese would call the 101st Airborne Chicken Men because the mm-hmm. Screaming Eagle patch they wore, they don't have bald eagles in Vietnam, so they, they called them Chicken Men. Losers. There's, there's like layers of meaning behind yeah. this song. The beginning of that video, the first oh. couple times I watched it while I was studying for it, I was like, you know, I kind of wish they would do just the videos of Jerry and his dad walking around their farm and stuff. Yeah. The black and white thing. I wish it would have been the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But then after I thought about it, it was actually last night. I was in an airport with a fucking delay. Fuck you, airports, lately. And <laughs> and I was watching the video again, and I was like, you know what? That Just that little, like, 40 seconds or a minute long where they end on the real short stint of Jerry Cantrell's dad where he's, he's emotional. like, that's all I want to say about that. And then you yeah. see him barely start to choke mm-hmm. up, and then the music starts. That's fucking... That's like you said. That's heart wrenching. This, uh, this, this is one of my favorite songs of all time. Oh. I have a page and a half of notes on just this song. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds right. This is the song that connected me to this band. I was a fan of them, but this was the song where I was like, "Huh, oh my god." I don't know if culturally we realize how much weight that that war weighed on the American psyche because of the subsequent military stuff that we've been involved in since then. So yeah, I feel like the Afghan war is kind of sort of like overshadowed it, but in the late, in the mid late eighties, early nineties, Vietnam was, it was a war that we lost as a country. Mm -hmm. Yep. The soldiers who were fucking drafted to go over there, they didn't have a choice. This that's right. Kids were kids were drafted. Yeah came back and were vilified by their home country. Then forgotten. There were certain movies at the time that were kind of addressed this, like Platoon was a big one. The director for the music video, The Rooster, Mark Pellington, who also directed Pearl Jam's video, Jeremy, Mm -hmm. he consulted with Oliver Stone's military advisor for some of the action scenes and stuff for this I remember at the time I was, you know, a teenager, but still pretty young. And I was like kind of trying to sort through Vietnam and, and then it sort of got pushed aside because we got involved in these other military altercations. I don't know if it's fair to the humans. They're human beings who were sent over there to fight. Many of them died. When my parents divorced, my mom dated this guy for a while. His name was Tony. And he went to Vietnam when he was 17 years old. And he got lost in the jungle and survived and killed people to survive at 17. He struggled with that through. He might still. I don't know. How the fuck could you not? How could you how could you ever get over that? I have like a personal connection to to this song. I don't want to make this whole podcast about the rooster, but fucking (laughs) a man. This is one of the greatest songs that's ever been recorded, in my opinion. I fucking love this song. I, you know Can I change my answer on what Jimmy's favorite song is? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Fuck. I God think it might be it. the rooster. Yeah, um, it might be. It's insane that 
it seems like every fucking song is I'm going to die. Yeah. Death is inevitable. Heroin, heroin, heroin. You know what? I'm going to, I'm going to change the subject for a song. Vietnam <laughs> rooster. Yeah. Fucking. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's go right. back to heroin now. Well, <laughs> like, and for fuck's and sake, to go man. back to what I was saying about like, this was a Cantrell song. He wrote this song. Yes. But yeah, it's his dad it would not be what it is without Lane's performance. Oh, for Lane sure. somehow channeled his pain into the performance of this song in a way that I don't think anyone else could have. Speaking as a huge Allison Chains guy my whole life always being much more of a Lane guy than a Jerry guy it's very very akin to the way people are with John Lennon and Paul McCartney yeah. people fucking love John Lennon they worship John Lennon he's the god king and Paul is always kind of like the steadfast boring whatever but the bottom line is is if it wasn't for paul mccartney 90 mm percent -hmm. of those songs would have never got finished and that's how i see allison chains yeah yep. lane staley might have been the talent or or whatever you want to call it not to say jerry wasn't incredibly fucking talented but jerry was the one that kept the ship steady to make sure that they could write right shit like this this album would have never fucking happened right. lane would have been in his fucking apartment yeah it would have been a mess and that's not even talking about the the fact that Jerry Cantrell, you said it, evil. The guy could write a Dude. fucking song. Holy shit! He wrote this while he was living with Chris Cornell and and Cornell's girlfriend, who eventually married, whose name was Susan Silver, who was a manager who managed, among other things, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, and Screaming Trees. Oh my. You know, just a few bands. <laughs> she was also a manager of a, a shoe store that sold Doc Martens. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. So she <laughs> sold a lot of heroin and a lot of yeah. boots. One of the guys that worked for her is the singer for Candlebox Ooh, at that shoe store. A lot of heroin. <laughs> a lot of heroin. <laughs> <laughs> Lane was not doing well at this point. And there are so many stories about the dirt recording where he's mm -hmm. he's fading off on the couch and they can't get him to do this and that because he's so strung out and all this shit and he's he's not showing up and then he's showing up. Lane Staley lived for fucking 10 years after this. Mm -hmm. He went to rehab a couple times. A yeah. bunch of times. Mm -hmm. I think it was in the teens. He did Mad Season, which that's another conversation for another night, mm -hmm. which was essentially just a whole group made up of a bunch of fucking rehabbers. My pain is self-chosen. And you listen to this album and you say, well, this guy died of heroin. Well, yeah, fucking course he did. Ten years later. Wait, yeah. what? <laughs> The amount of pain he must have had to endure for that amount of time is disturbing. Some of the stories about the recording process, the vocal layering that we kind of identify with Alice in Chains, he came up with that when they, in the recording sessions for the singles soundtrack, and Wood was the the big song. In, you know what I'm talking about, like the I harmonies. Do, the do we weird, get to talk about Lane yeah. Staley's harmonies now? His vocals. Oh. Yeah. Oh, well, hard on again. Hold on. What, okay. Before we go there, <laughs> let me pick up one more thing. In the recording process for one of the videos, he had a cowboy hat he mm -hmm. wanted to wear, but the director was like, "No sunglasses. You look more badass." And then because he was. So strung out. Exactly. But then you see him with sunglasses from then on. This was the album where he's like, I don't want people to watch me sing. And so he like basically demanded that they create this soundproof box for him to sing in. And in it, he had this little mini shrine with candles, 
a picture of the Last Supper and a fucking dead puppy in a jar. That's where this guy's mindset was. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus. That's where he was. I mean, that's... Yeah, that's a little out of it. Dude, like what? Something I did want to note, this was very true about most of the songs, lyrically, the imagery is insane. Yeah. Like you really, it says, eyes burn <sighs> stinging with sweat and got my pills against mosquito death. My buddy's breathing his dying breath. They're amazing. Mm. They paint this picture and put you in the space of Vietnam. It's probably one of the best songs ever written. Am I right, Jimmy? It, I think it is. So I noticed this like late in the game. There's a weird little storytelling trick they do lyrically where the verses are first person and the chorus is third person. Mm -hmm. And that's fucking mm -hmm. genius. Guys, I'm so fucking tired of talking about Vietnam. Can we please talk about heroin? Yes, yes please. God Let's damn. lighten it up a little so bit. I'm so sick of this shit. So my grandfather, I went to go see Rent with him when I was 17. And he, <laughs> AIDS. And we walk out and he goes, ah, it was all about sex and AIDS, wasn't it? <laughs> and I was like, oh, God, Grandpa. There's oh, six, my God. I love that guy. There's so many more layers. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Not there really are. That's pretty much what it's about. He was dead on. Spot on. This seems like that's ah, just all about heroin isn't it but there's a vietnam song one and two i feel like he hit so many angles of addiction and it also seems like a process because by the time he gets down to wood it seems more of like a warning than it does Absolutely. i love heroin Absolutely. yeah and that was what this album was about is this isn't a glamorization mm -hmm. don't do fucking heroin this is fucking terror here's yeah. the thing about that though you can say as much as you want and this is not their fault and i am not putting this on them at all you can say as much as you want don't do heroin but you can also be a rock star be out of your mind all of the time not die for 10 years after this album yeah and it's gonna glamorize mm -hmm. it even if you're saying the exact opposite people are gonna see your life and see how great well, it is with heroin uh, fight me i think you're right here's the thing is glamorizes life from like 93 to his death he was literally in his condo playing video games at 95 pounds mm -hmm. emaciated and dying like yeah. he did not have a fucking rock star well, life at the time of this album though glamorizes it during this period of time this is right when heroin chic started happening and everybody was doing it and it was mm. you know as much as it was killing people it was a cool way to die yeah i've seen requiem for a dream yeah. oh my god no shit oh yeah <laughs> yeah that was a tough movie mm. that was not an easy watch nope this came out in 92 i was 10 that is way too young to be into this music. Mm. But alas. But here's, but here's the thing. I was going through, I'm not just saying that I had like a terrible fucking childhood. I, I had a good family, I had a, but I did. I had a lot of some very bad shit happen to me. And this album was the first time I had ever heard somebody's pain mm. come through. Also, there were a lot of, and I'm not saying anything bad about Christianity or anything like that. I'm honestly not, I think, highly of a lot of Christians. But this was also the first band that I had ever heard. I don't want to say chastise Christianity, but 
speak to the fact that there was evil inside certain pockets of it. Those two things I needed more than anybody could possibly imagine. And so while I do agree with you that there was this, not glamorization, but there was this aspect of Lane Staley is sounding like this and doing heroin. God, I want to do it. There was also this aspect of people like me that just needed to hear somebody else going through what he was going through. Mm. It really, really fucking helped me at a time when I needed help. And yes, I was way too young to be listening to this. Way too young. But I can't explain it. It fucking helped me. Hmm. Next time on Verse Course Verse. <laughs> oh, man. Rachel, you want a drink? <laughs> Cheers. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> This album certainly aims for the nuts, doesn't it? (laughs) We haven't even talked about how fucking absurd the drums are in this album. Oh, oh my God. Right? Yes. Yeah. So, Evil, uh, go ahead. Take something. Thems are some Metallica drums. Like, literally. (laughs) Careful. (laughs) I'm not even. No, 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 no. The recording process that they used, they picked up from the Black Album recording. Yes. They recorded it in the same studio as the Black Album. It's like Lars if he was talented. Yeah, exactly. They used the same the same like technique where they like routed it through this big subwoofer and it, one of the quotes is it sounded like artillery going off in the studio. And they used some of the tricks used in the recording of the Black Album to get that drum sound. And it's mm. fucking huge. That's what she said. <laughs> and the bass too. My God. Mm. Like. L- okay. We're, we got to do it. Let's talk about wood. Ugh. Let's talk about the musicality in wood. First of all, one of the most understated, amazing bass lines Dude. of all time. It was funny. We were doing the bass episode, Sven and I were, and I gave him, I don't remember who I gave him versus wood, like a bass line versus wood. Mm-hmm. And he split second. It's like wood. Wow. And I was a little bit surprised because wood is not a technically savvy no, bass line. so dirty, it man. It, and that's yeah. exactly what he said. It is one of the dirtiest, fucking coolest bass lines I've ever heard. Dude. And, and it starts the song that... Uh. And then you have... Okay, musician. If there's any young people out there listening to this, which there aren't. There just aren't. You're all old fucking people like us. <laughs> <laughs> but Probably true. Wood, wood is such an amazing lesson in how well space can build your guitar sound. Mm. Because the, yeah. the guitar is it's so calm and it's so spacey. When it needs to be there, it's there. And when it's not, it's yeah. not. There's tension in the song. Yes. That builds up. It's so good. And then mm. I don't know if either of you caught this, but it's one of my favorite fucking drum things ever. At the end of Wood, <laughs> I'm glad Evil caught it. At the end of Wood, when he's when they're doing the Am I Wrong? Have I Gone Too Far to Get Home? Which is one of the best rock parts of a song Dude. ever in the history of anything. Mm. There are when he's, like, when he's dragging through the... Yes. Ugh. There are three separate drum fills. He's snare to Tom. Mm. He's Tom to snare to Tom. And then he's doing the do, 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 That is. There's three of the best drum fills Uh, of all time. Wood is the construction of a perfect fucking rock Mm. song. The second half of this album, it starts 
with Junkhead a little bit. And it's almost celebratory of the heroin use. And then it fucking dives hard to and culminates in Angry Chair, which is the opposite. <laughs> the hardest of the hard. Right. And then Wood is like the coda. And it's like a song about fucking Andrew Wood, who, yes. if you don't know, listeners, was the singer of Mother Love Bone, the band who, that preceded. How dare you if you don't yeah, know. Yeah, preceded Pearl Jam, right? <laughs> who was this larger than life character who OD'd right before the band was about to hit big. Who really was honestly probably supposed to be the front yep. man yep. of grunge. Yeah. He would have been the larger than life character of, of grunge. And if you haven't heard Mother, no, I don't even want to say it. <laughs> because we're going to have to talk about it someday. And honestly, Apple by Mother Love Bone is one of my favorite mm, albums of all Jesus. time. And if you haven't heard it, you're an idiot. <laughs> Musicality is amazing. Jerry Cantrell led off the whole, the C-sharp mm. tuning guitar phenomenon. We're going to go to lyrics and I want to start with Rachel. The one that hit first used to be Curious, Now, now the, the Shit, shit Sustenance. sustenance. Mm. Brutal. It, yeah. it really hit me that he's not doing this because he wants to. He's doing it because he needs to. And that's the definition of addiction. One of the last interviews he ever said was he doesn't get high anymore. Mm -hmm. He just... He's just maintaining... He's just living. That's yeah. just how he lives. Mm. This is the hard part about going on on this album is I really want to just start reading off lyrics. <laughs> There's so much. There really is. I could go and go and go and it's pretty fucking disturbing. Mm -hmm. The biggest take on that would be the dirt. The song mm -hmm. Dirt, the namesake of this album. I'll read one lyric and I don't even, I even prepping for this, I don't even like, it's, it's a hard listen. It's going to be a hard say, but this is kind of the pinnacle of what this album was about. And that is, I want to taste dirty, a stinging pistol in my mouth, on my tongue. Mm -hmm. I want you to scrape me from the walls and go crazy like you made me. I can't think of a more disturbing lyric than mm. that. Mm. Lane had a, a girlfriend that mm -hmm. he had been very close with that ended up ODing b way before him. Yeah. Demarie, who a lot of, I think about half this album was probably about. But one of the reasons I like this is because he didn't turn this into some sort of breakup album. He turned it into a heroin album mm -hmm. because he knows that, and probably because of his own actions, that you don't do the things you do because you are a specific personality. You do the things you do because you're an addict, mm -hmm. right? which his girlfriend was. I think this was a Staley quote. It might have been Cantrell, but I think it's Staley. Someone was interviewing them about this album and they're asked him what it's about. And he said, drugs are bad. Relationships are bad. This album's good. <laughs> it was like his therapy. That should have been the intro sentence. Thanks a lot, evil. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really do think that this is one of the best studies of all time in a piece of art mm. that establishes a feeling. If anyone has ever done, I'm not saying that I have, psychedelic drugs of any kind. Nah. There, <laughs> there is this alteration of perception that you go through. At some point, you come back to reality. The charge is that you integrate whatever experience you had while you were in that different space. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The music of this era was like a cultural shift on par with that, where things shifted to this different way of being for a little bit. 
not all, because there was some fucking garbage music that came out <laughs> around this time too. But there were some bands that were doing something that had never been done before, very different. And then it sort of shifted back into reality. What can we take away from this? What do we learn from this? Going back and listening to this album today in 2022, many years later, I'm like, what can I pull from that era Mm -hmm. into my life today? I feel fortunate that I can dig back into it because there's something there that you can't get anywhere else. Absolutely. We're going to do some awards and categories. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Somebody as low level as me would get fired quickly. That's probably true. (laughs) Awards and categories, everybody. Let's get into it. Let's talk about some dirt. Let's do it. DMX award. Mm. Rach. Dave. Just kidding. That felt weird. Sorry. David. DMX Award. They were at the forefront of grunge and they integrated metal into that. And also more than I can think of dealt with really fucking dark shit. So they win all of those things. I think you're absolutely right. Allison Chains doesn't get enough credit for the fact that they were kind of the first big, huge. They were the first band to make it massive. Mm-hmm. Out yeah. of Seattle. Man in the Box was before mm-hmm. that was fucking 89? Smells Like Teen Spirit. Uh, evil. <laughs> what about you for the DMX Awards? What, everything. Like what? Words. Uh-huh. You can't. <laughs> 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 I don't know how you subtract one piece from this puzzle and it retaining even a quarter of what it is. There's so much a sum of their parts unfortunately one of those pieces was heroin and the addiction that yeah was a big piece of it i have a hard time reconciling how creative certain musical artists are because of heroin usage it bothers me i wanted to talk about this a little bit earlier i kind of lost my thread there but i don't know if it has to do with how dire of a mental situation these humans are in that it makes them confront their own mortality and the art springs forth from there i don't know what it is i consider myself an artist and i want to make great art and i'm never going to do heroin (laughs) i was going to say well no it's only one thing you can do evil no like it's undeniable how integral that what substance was to what these guys were doing at this point in time. Yeah. I mean, there's got to be some sort of science yeah. to that, being able to access yeah. different emotions and different sides of your brain. Lanigan, Cobain, Staley. I mentioned Bradley Knowles, right. completely different genre, but you know, he. Perry Farrell, who's Perry still Farrell, alive somehow. somehow. <laughs> uh, Scott Weiland. <laughs> I mean, you. Scott Weiland, yeah. <laughs> Fucking Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. 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 You named the jazz musician from. Yeah. 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 There's something there that I don't want to explore. I think that's what it is, is I don't want to explore that. I'm just mad that I can't see what's behind the door that is, that has the big H (laughs) on it. I totally get it. And I think I've, I've been there many times in my life. The uniqueness for me in Alice in Chains, besides Jerry's brilliance, just the way that they used Lane's vocals. Mm -hmm. It was an entire instrument, six or seven harmonies. It was layers, two fifths of the song. Bands tried to do it forever after them. 
and could never pull it off. Mm-mm. And with that, I got to go back to the David Crosby Met Award <laughs> because I tell you, you motherfuckers, you are going to love this. Oh, no. You found okay. it. Oh, yes. There were a surprisingly fairly good amount of one stars on dirt. What? Idiots. Yes. This is one star by Kelsey. Kelsey, you dumb bitch. Yawn. Give me real grunge like stained any day of the week. This is parody. It has to be parody. So I decided to listen. This was in 2008. So I decided to listen to this album because I heard it was an amazing grunge album. Man, I was so disappointed. (laughs) It was simply awful. Not one good song on it. All the songs sound exactly the same. Seriously, folks, the guitar riffs are unimaginative and uninspired. <laughs> and this Lane Staley guy is a horrible singer. This is he sounds like Fuck off. He sounds oh like a God. whining puppy or something. Listen to real grunge like Stained or Daughtry. <laughs> <laughs> this is performance art. This is this is <laughs> straight parody. This isn't real. I can't. Allison Chains is lame post grunge. Post grunge. What the? That is your David Crosby man. That award. that is that's not real. Look, everybody. Idiot. I'm gonna agree. If you want real grunge. Go listen to Daughtry. <laughs> On it. Because. Thanks for the advice. That's, that's where it's at. Oh my um, God. Evil. Over, <laughs> overrated, underrated, properly rated in its time and currently. I think it's properly rated in both. It was highly regarded at the time, and I think it has maintained that through today and into the future. I, I, I do. I feel like it is anyway. I think when I post this, not that that is what calculates, but when I post this an Instagram of the album Dirt, it's going to be in like the top five yeah. of Instagrams I've posted. It should and, be. And I think that, I don't want to say unfortunately, that's great. Everybody <laughs> like it and subscribe and follow and whatever the fuck. <laughs> but edit that out (laughs) yeah properly rated they were nominated for a good handful of awards they won spin best album since that one is a reader listener fan voted one i think that one means a lot and like you said uh going platinum so many times so far after the fact yeah Yeah, people still like it influences and influences right back to you rachel influences i'm gonna take all of them (laughs) I'm not, I'm going to just try not to take all ACDC Slayer, Van Halen, Black Sabbath. Um, ah, no, you took one. Oh, I have two. You just, took one of my two. Just one of those? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and no, then, I, I agree with all those, but I oh, just, okay. I had two and you took one of them. Okay. Influences. Uh, I said Godsmack, Stained, Deftones. I mean, I could go on. Stained? <laughs> Stained? Stained is way more (laughs) Fuck off Kelsey How about Godsmack That literally took took their name From an Alice in Chains I will go next The only I completely agree The only one that you didn't say that I want to say Because I do think that uh, Jerry took some stuff from this guy And I love that Is Ted Nugent Oh yeah Um, Yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, Cantrell has a lot of Nugent sound in it. Evil, what about you? I'm going to add Jimi Hendrix to that because he was trying to get oh, a Jimi sure. Hendrix sound when he wrote that Rooster. He was, he was on yes. acid and trying to sound mm. like Hendrix. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hendrix, acid, slayer, and heroin. <laughs> That's Alice in Chains. 
And you know, Lane, I think that uh, Jim Morrison was a big. Ooh, that's oh, a sure. good pull. Lane Staley. Nice. I really do. That's yeah. a very good pull. It's a lot of that low yeah. fuck you-ish kind of whatever. I have an influency that is going to blow your mind a little bit. I love it. Tool. Love it. Yeah. Two songs in particular. Dirt, number one. There's Tool vibes all over in Dirt. Mm-hmm. And then Hate to Feel. It was bugging me for so long. I was listening to it over and over. I'm like, this is fucking reminding me of something so much and i couldn't place it and it finally it clicked yesterday and it's a track up to of ten thousand days there's a couple of spots in their track rosetta stoned there's this syncopation between the guitar and maynard's vocals that reminds me so much of hate to feel that i was like ah that's it never mind the bullocks award i'm actually extremely interested in this one someday we're going to do an allison chains dissection and we're going to have to figure out a bunch of things like if post Lane Staley counts, mm. which I don't want to do. Mm. I do think this is their best album. This is not my favorite Allison Chains album, believe it or Whoa, not. Oh, really? I will share that someday when we do an Allison Chains dissection. Uh. If Rachel, you probably haven't listened to the few Allison Chains albums. Is this the only one you've fully listened to? This is the only one I fully listened to. So I can't really okay. talk on this, but it is fucking fantastic. I think it's their best um it is it's their best album you're drunk facelift was brilliant it was raw they weren't fully formed yet i think like this album dirt is it's something special i don't think it's their best album by far but i think it's something special rachel what is your john paul jones award so this was a hard one i said cardi b i just felt (laughs) (laughs) like Like it needed some modern rap. So that's, you know what? That's exactly what this album needed. (laughs) I, it needed some methadone. It needs, we talked about this for a second. You and I talked about the class of 99. I talked about this and you said, fuck class of 99, which was a super band. Morello, porno for pyros. Maybe some Tom Morello. I don't think, I think it was so great. So I can't even think of, it was already great. It doesn't need anything. (laughs) Evil. What about you? John Paul Jones. The subsequent, not Jar of Flies, but the subsequent album Mm -hmm. shows that you, you can't take away, even like in part take away pieces. Cause Lane was on the self-title, but not really. I don't think you can take any of these pieces out. It's like the late stage in a game of Jenga. (laughs) And you're going to pull out a piece and everything's going to fall apart. And that's kind of what happened. I said, and I think it was because I've been thinking about our uh, Halloween episode lately. Mm -hmm. The whole pre-hate to feel thing. Iron Gland. There's a few times. Rain When I Die. Iron Gland. There's a few times where they go super creepy Mm -hmm. with it. (laughs) I want Disaster Piece joining the fray. To make it super fucking eerie. That's the person mm. that did the It Follows soundtrack. Yeah. They did this really good circusy, eerie thing with this album. I want it to even... Like push it even a, further? T- just a, yeah, <laughs> 10, 10 to 11. <laughs> That's what I want. <laughs> I don't want to change anything about this. <laughs> <laughs> the Teach Him Young Award. <laughs> Rachel, Oof. what would you show your son as early as you could on as this album? As early as I could. Uh, the Rooster. <laughs> He wow. wouldn't need- Welcome to the United he States. Needs to kid. Learn about Vietnam. <laughs> He's eleven. <laughs> I said would. Yeah. I think I'm gonna go to my daughter and I'm gonna say, Hey, you wanna hear the perfect rock song? 
this is it. That's probably the right answer, but I have wood listed for some other stuff. So I, I put down in a hole because it feels a little more accessible for someone younger, less heroin involved, more about relationships. There was no heroin in um, Rooster. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of heroin in Vietnam. <laughs> but it wasn't mentioned. A lot. Down in a Hole was surprising to me. Going back and listening to it, of the singles, it was the one that I listened to over and over. And it, I'm like, oh my God, this is such a good song. I was surprised how good it was looking back. John Popper Award for the best mm. hook. To me, it is the end of wood. Mm-hmm. Am I wrong? Have I gone too far to get home? Dude. The change from this open, empty minor to this mm. major, full, drum fill, uh, knock you on your ass. That is my best hook. Am I wrong? <sighs> Rachel? I don't think you're wrong. I think we're all right in this because there are, like you said, there are so many. I said, yeah, they come to snuff the rooster because that's what got stuck in my head. Everything is a rooster for you. You just wait. (laughs) More rooster rooster to come. Whatever. Evil, what about you? I want you to just keep preaching on wood because the outro is one of the best moments on the whole record. (laughs) They build and layer tension and then... That outro is just, it is so satisfying. The John Prine Best Lyric Award. (sighs) Lucky me, now I'm set. Little bug for a pet. There's something about that visualization. I already read Dirt. And God's name is smack for some. Can't get high or you will die. I could just go like this forever. And I'm not going to. (laughs) I'm going to go to evil. This is the lyrics genius. The way he performed it made it timeless. And it's the lyric in Rooster, Gloria sent me pictures of my boy. That is haunting and has been that way for me since I was 16. Rachel? Hey, those lyrics in Rooster are great. I just wanted to read the rest of that, Mm -hmm. where it goes from there. Mm -hmm. Because I remember thinking that was the start of... Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to change what I wrote because I already used those lyrics. So I'm going to change it to something else. I had written down, used to be curious, now this is sustenance, which, which is amazing. Is amazing. Um, yep. I, I'm going to switch it to some of the lyrics from Wood, and I'm going to go a little deeper into this in a second. And it's the chorus where it says, into the flood again, mm. same old trip it was back then. So I made a big mistake. Try to see it once my way. The way that song was set up is there were two line verses and then it went right into the chorus repeatedly and it just set up this really good visual for relapsing there was so little in between the relapsing that it was heart-wrenching as my friend Eva would say Mm. and there was one other line that I want to bring up I don't know if I want to just talk about it because it speaks a lot to me or because I feel like it might be important whatever but there is a line in Hate to Feel that is got to change, set a date. Mm, and yeah. mm. it is this user's feeling. I've been there, you know, I'm not, I've never been a heroin addict. So calm down, mom. <laughs> um, but I have, I have been addicted to things and I have had problems. And I think most people have. And there's this very, very serious, you know, Monday. Monday, Mm -hmm. I'm going to fucking, that's when I'm going to do it. 
I need one more night of getting fucked up and being hung over and stuff. And then I'll, I'll be at it. There's something about just right in the middle of this massive, massive drug problem. He's having bugs for a pets right. and he's climbing the walls and shit. I'm going to change. I just need till the 15th. Mm-hmm. It's that false hope. Yes, exactly. You know, in your hardest of hearts, you aren't going to do it. It's yeah. not going to happen. You're telling yourself a story because yeah. it makes you feel better in the moment. One more thing. In that song as well, stare at me with empty eyes and point your words at me. Mirror on the wall will show you what you're scared to see. So you have this visual of him staring at his doped out self. It's just this amazing visual that you're... Ugh. Anyway, it's fucking amazing. Evil. Hmm. Eddie Van Halen Award. Who? <laughs> A little aside before I answer that. Before you drink. Um, after they finish their tour drink. with Van Halen, I'll drink <laughs> after I finish this. Cantrell became very good friends with both Sammy and Eddie. He was talking gear with Eddie and Eddie's like, oh, I'll send you some stuff because, you know, all the EVH gear. And That's Eddie Van Halen, people. I think Cantrell had mentioned how he liked the sound of the, the 5150 equipment and Eddie's like, yeah, I'll send you some stuff. Cantrell's crashing somewhere, I think at a different manager's house, and he shows up and there's like a garage full of gear. It's full of gear. Eddie just sent him like multiple full stacks, like guitars, just sent him all of this stuff, (laughs) which I thought that's always fucking cool. Yeah. Then Bones, that riff is a juggernaut and what a way to open the album. It's four thirds of a Cardi B song. Rachel, Eddie Van Halen Award. Ah, uh, there were so many. I think I I landed at the the riff towards the middle end, uh, the second half of Sick Man. There's like this mm. November rain vibe, and it kind of goes from that into this like like choke on me, my friend. Real pretty. Yeah, this might be the first time I've chosen a guitar solo for the Eddie Van Halen Award. <laughs> and it's the it's the Them Bones guitar solo. Dude, yes. The, the fucking guitar solo in mm. Them Bones is one of the best guitar solos I've ever heard. I said it at the very beginning of the episode, I'll say it again. It's one of the most, it is the leanest rock song I've ever heard. Yep. The guitar solo, Samesies. Mm. Samesies. Surfer Rosa Award. <laughs> this album's a journey to me. This mm-hmm. album is an amazing flow. Uh, Rachel. I felt like musically it was well balanced. There was nothing shitty, so I can't really judge one side any harsher than the other, even though I liked certain songs towards the end, I think a little bit more than the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, the the journey of I'm on heroin, lots and lots of heroin. Don't do heroin anymore. (laughs) It told a story. There was a theme and it was good. This is a thought that I set aside earlier. It's not so much a side A versus side B. It's a pitting the singles that have sort of existed in public consciousness versus the deeper cuts. So for me, me you mentioned having a disc man. Here's a really interesting thing that happened to me. So when I had this album, I had a disc man, but I had no way to play it like in my car. So I had to make like mixtapes. And so I had like tapes of like the the singles mixed with other other songs from other bands and stuff. And so those are the things that I've known deeply for a long time. And the deeper cuts I haven't listened to since the early mid 90s. 
And so when I went back to research this and listen to this album, it was very interesting because it was this mix of songs that I know like the back of my hand Mm -hmm. and things that I knew way back in the day, but I hadn't heard forever. So they were a little dusty. They're a little dirty, if you will. So the album was split into two sides for me, not like side A, side B, Surfer Rosso Award, but split into two different sections of songs. And that was really, really weird. The hits, the singles are, they're fresh. I experienced them as I am today. That was an interesting experience. Time Your Life Award, right back to you, Evil. What is the worst track on this album? This is cheating, but I'm, I'm going to say Iron Gland, mostly because it wasn't ah. a real track. Even when he's um, cheating. Slayer Boy? <laughs> yeah, but it's not, it fits in the album. It fits as a track in the album. It does. But if you pull it out as its own thing, it's not as compelling or as interesting. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't just like throw that in a mixtape. Like I didn't. I didn't back then. <laughs> uh, Rachel. Controversial. Rain When I Die. Whoa. Ooh. And I think so this was the one that was written by Erwin. Yeah. And so I think maybe for me, it didn't feel as a singular thought as much as the other ones did. Maybe it felt more jumbled to me. And I'm just going to blame it on the fact that everybody had their hand in the pot on this one. Liked it. It was just my least favorite. of Evil, wasn't that what you picked her as her favorite? No. No. Down in a hole is what you picked her as her favorite. Interesting. Speaking of like who wrote what, Mike Starr, I think he was quoted as saying that Fear the Voices, which didn't make the album cut, was he, he wrote that. That was his song. And Cantrell was like, eh, I don't want that on there because he didn't have, had zero Cantrell fingerprints on it. I mean, it also wasn't as good as the other. It's dirty. not as good either. No. Yeah. My Time of Your Life Award, I actually think if I had to pick an album, friend, song, that was, if I had to pick a song <laughs> that was not my favorite on this and that maybe took a pause to the album and dragged it along, it would be Sick Man. Hmm. If it was on any other album, it would be amazing. But the fact that it's on dirt, it's like a piece of silver in between fried gold. It's just not, (laughs) it's not as beautiful as I'd want. Evil, what are your three best songs on this album? I hate that question. I do too. I know what my number one is. Doing it. The number one is Rooster. We've established that. The other two, God damn it. There's three that I want to pick from, but I don't know how to pick from those three. But you have to. That's a part of the game. That's why we do the podcast. Uh, (laughs) Wood and them bones. So Rooster, Wood, them bones. Rooster's number one. I think them bones is number one. Mm. That was my pick for your favorite. Yeah. Whatever. That was, a, that was a good good pick, but Rooster's number one. Rachel. David. Okay, you guys are all wrong. You're both <laughs> wrong on my guess. Not okay. that it, they were bad guesses. Number three. Was my second guess? What was your second guess? Rooster. Rooster. No. Yeah. Sorry. Whoa. Uh, I'm intrigued. Great song, though. Number three, Hate to Feel. Wow. That was my pick for you. Can I tell you why? Yeah. I thought there was so much about that song that you would hate. Mm-hmm. The terseness and the dirty and the growliness of it Mm -hmm. but there's so much visualization Mm -hmm. little bug for a pet Mm -hmm. and him just laying in his bed with a plate growing mold like Mm -hmm. 
I just thought the visualization of that song. You know me so well. Apparently not. But my thoughts on it, you're spot on. <laughs> just because it wasn't my favorite doesn't mean you don't know me as a person. But I picked this one for the vibe. I didn't love the music. What an aching feeling to want to please and be loved and be accepted by your parent and for them to be a complete piece of shit. Um, Aching is such a good descriptor for this. Yeah. He reunites with his dad after 22 years and he's like, yay, dad, you were a piece of shit before, but now you're in my life and it's going to be great. And then his dad's like, let's do drugs together. (laughs) And it had this Mitch Winehouse vibe to it that I was like, fuck this guy. This is not loving your kid and all your kid wants is your acceptance. It just really hit me. Really hard. Moving forward. Uh, (laughs) Number two. But wait, there's more. Ah, there's more. Junkhead. Again, with with the visuals, it made you get into the middle of a drug deal as that was going on. And it made you see how they're feeling. You know, he says, what do you, what's your drug? And then he's like, what do you got? Like, I'll take whatever I can get my hands on. That's the worst. The what's my drug of choice? What have you got? Mm -hmm. I don't go broke. I do it a lot. Yeah. I will just do anything forever. Uh Uh-huh. Sorry. But that's that's painstaking. It is, but it, it helps you get in there and see how important being high is to an addict. Gets you to feel what they're feeling um, and really, really empathize. Number one was wood. Sorry. So good. You know, it was in singles. And so it was something that I remember Mm -hmm. from the early 90s, but going back on the way it was written, the ups and downs of addiction and relapsing and getting better was written so well yeah all right my three favorites number three is dirt there's just something about the the odd and terse guitar of that song mixed with the kind of demented lyrics of it it's one of the most dark and twisted songs i've ever heard number two is them bones Mm. i've said it i think it's one of the most perfect rock songs ever written i think it's the fourth time i've said it (laughs) there's no fat Mm -hmm. on that meat and then uh my number one is the number one that i thought might be rachel's long shot but hate to feel wow there's something about hate to feel that's every guitar part every lyric every harmonization is so beautiful and dark and twisted and weird that it's just amazing rachel's swatted away her last fly we're almost (laughs) done now we go to who won the album rachel heroin heroin won the shit out. going back to accidentally glamorizing things just speaking about it puts it in people's vision when you talk about things like this and you're still alive it just makes it okay not their fault again i'm not putting this at all on them they were just writing what they knew no oh, they knew it Ugh. evil heroin's the right answer uh I'm, i don't know how to <laughs> how to word it differently i'm going to try to lighten things up just a little bit good luck Aww. in the simpsons mr burns <laughs> go on at one point said i'd give it all for a little more and I'm like, mm. that is this album. <laughs> yeah. I feel like yeah. Lane sacrificed everything and this album was the result. And we get to celebrate it, but he doesn't. That's good. Yeah. 
I thought um, I was going to lighten things up, but that didn't work out very well. <laughs> Good job, Eva. <laughs> this was actually kind of a trick because it wasn't in my top three favorite songs. But I think the winner of this album was Wood. Mm-hmm. One of the greatest rock songs that ever was. And I will forever, if it's a bass player, if it's a guitar player, if it's a drummer, if it's a singer coming to me to learn something, I will show them Wood. Rate the album. Let's go to Evil. Evil. Rate this album. This is a masterpiece. This is a 10. This is a an album that is greater than the sum of its parts it existed in a time of elevated music and was at the top of that heap mm. go heroin I like it oh, Jesus. <laughs> go heroin <laughs> you can't say rachel that. Say i wanted to give this a 10 out of 10 so bad i gave it a 9 out of 10 i just i don't know i'm just a mean asshole you know there's fractional david doesn't let me do fractions score. i wanted to do a 9.5 you, I, don't, I have no... You could the, break, when have I ever said, no, you can't do uh, 9.5? You've told me before, David. Okay, Fine, 9.5. Give, me, give a reasoning. <sighs> there were still parts that I didn't think were perfect. And so that's why I didn't give it a 10 out of 10. I loved it so much. It just wasn't perfect, perfect, perfect. I honestly do think that this album puts you in the place of an addict better than anyone ever. Not just because this is Allison Chains and fucking love them, Lane Staley, bloop blop. <laughs> this is a 10 out of 10 because it deserves to be a 10 out of 10. I gave it 10 out of 10 hypodermic needles. Good job, Allison Chains. David. You know, what? He's been dead for so long, Rachel. David. What? Too soon. Too soon. No. <laughs> uh, that's it. That's dirt. We did dirt. We did pretty good, right? I feel good about it. I don't feel good about anything. All right. (laughs) This album doesn't make me feel good, but I love it. Heroin sucks, you guys. Join us next week. We're going to do 1992, and we're going to talk about a time where there was barely any heroin (laughs) anywhere. <laughs> firstcoursefirst.com at firstcoursefirstpod. Thank you, everybody. You guys are awesome. Rachel, you're my favorite. Thank you so much. I am sorry if this album made you sad. It was okay. Fine. Evil. Drugs are bad, okay? There we go. That's perfect. Everybody, you're amazing. Good night and good luck. Don't do heroin. Don't ever do heroin. Yeah. David. David.